Griffiths again. Welcome to the Pure Football Podcast, unbiased, in-depth Scottish. Today we'll be kicking things off by discussing St Johnston's Scottish Cup quarter-final victory over Rangers. Uh, incredible goalkeeper up for a corner and extra time scenes included. Then we'll be creating a team out of who we think are the best Scottish teenage footballers right now. And finally, uh, the only title race still open in Scottish senior men's football is, of course, SPFL League One. We caught Falkirk under the management of Gary Holt for the first time, the second time around, if you get what I mean, uh, against Cove Rangers over the weekend, and we'll be analysing that match. And when I say we, I mean me, Owen Brown, and him, Gavin Miller. Gavin, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing really good, thanks, Owen. Apart from some technical issues with my MacBook, I am all good, thank you, mate, yourself. Okay, recording on a mobile phone. I'm going to put you on the spot somewhat, Gavin, with a little bit of actual pleasantries for a change. Uh, it was a spectacularly uh, beautiful weekend. Uh, tell me what was the highlight for you, best thing maybe that you ate or drank? What, what have you got for me? Yeah, so I had a, a Severino's, uh, which is an Edinburgh pizza place. Uh, for for you, I guess it's really similar to uh, Pisano. Uh, you know, freshly stone-baked pizzas, reasonably priced um and yeah they they've opened up like a bunch of chains now so there's four of them in total i think across edinburgh and uh yeah it's just stunning pizza always consistent with the quality and uh yeah i had a it was called hot hot 2.0 and it was salami spicy italian sausage uh, and and then chili and honey sauce drizzled, drizzled over it so yeah it was the absolute one what about you mm. Uh, that sounds amazing. Um, it was Spuds and Ioli from Morning Glory on Great Eastern Road in, in Glasgow. For me, I would heartily recommend it. It was like uh, a kind of bowl of roast pot- potatoes with a kind of garlicky um, mayo um, on top. Really, really good. So yeah, a good a good weekend for pure football and a good weekend for pure football as well with uh, lots of exciting action. Let's start with Rangers versus St Johnston. Um, St Johnston, of course, knocked Rangers out of the Scottish Cup on penalties and they will join Hibs, Dundee United and the winner of Kilmarnock versus McMurrin, which is taking place right now. I think Kilmarnock are 2-1 up uh, despite the best efforts of Colin Doyle and goals for them. Um, th- those will be the teams in the semi-finals. Um, so, Coming into this game, Gavin, any thoughts on the lineups that either manager selected and what might be the key individuals in battles? Yeah, I, th- I think for me, first of all, going with the, the battles that interested me the most was just between the fullbacks, so Sean Rooney mm-hmm. and uh, Scott Tanzer, you know, having the, to try and shut down Borna Barisic and James Taverney, it's not an easy task. Um, I was a little bit surprised that St. Johnson opted for Tanzer ahead of Callum Booth. Um, who I think is maybe a little bit more defensively solid. But as the game sort of transpired, it maybe became clear to me as to why they opted for Tanza, who's just a little bit more mobile. Um, mm. And yeah, I think, you know, that was that was the sort of key things that stood out to me. I was a little bit surprised that Chris Kane dropped to the bench 
for mm. St Johnston, and I thought he might have started. Um, so you know, considering how much effort he puts in off the ball, and again, as it sort of transpired in this game, the off the ball action was extremely important for St Johnston. But I was also interested just to see how St Johnston would try and shut down Ryan Kent. Um, I think so much of Rangers' threat goes through him. You know, his involvement and in build up play. His ability to create chances for himself and his teammates, you know, his, his pace is a threat, and his ability to drop into the sort of half spaces and sort of be mobile for throughout the full ninety minutes makes him a real difficult player to deal with. So, I was interested to see what St Johnson had in plan to try and stop that. Sure, those are some interesting um, battles. You, you mentioned a wee bit there, Gavin, about the off-the-ball work um, that St Johnston kind of ended up putting in. Um, and you said to me earlier that, you know, that was kind of from the front. Can you talk me through what you kind of saw in terms of that um, work that they were putting in? Yeah, this effort from St Johnston was honestly incredible and actually a real uh, enjoyment to watch. So, uh, Guy Melamed, Stevie May, um, Scott Tanzer, Sean Rooney, David Witherspoon, Alan McCann, all really tried to suffocate Rangers in their own half and be very aggressive with their, their press and closing Rangers down in very advanced areas, something that you're probably not used to seeing and probably something that Rangers aren't particularly used to dealing with, at least at a domestic level. Um, mm. Melamed and May were you know, quick to shut down the centre-backs with Wotherspoon um, almost just sort of man-marking Stephen Davis at times. And making it really difficult for Rangers to try and build up from the back and play out from the back. You then had Rooney and Tanzer really quick, I mean, really quickly getting out to Barisic and Tavernier as soon as they received the ball and forcing the ball back into the sort of congested areas where you know, uh, Alan McCann and Liam Craig were doing everything they could to break up the play. And, and St Johnson had a lot of success with this throughout the full 90. It was, it was a real joy to watch. Um, and it was consistent effort. It was honestly non-stop. Uh, you know, I have to praise the positional awareness, the concentration, the determination from these players to execute, which I guess is uh, presumed to be a risky strategy to uh, do against Rangers. But if you do it in a way as a team and as a collective, you can obviously have results regardless of what team you are. Um, mm. St. Johnson's done an incredible incredible job in this and, and their effort even when Rangers were able to bypass that uh, you know intense initial press St Johnson's recovery and ability to get back into you know uh, shape off the ball with you know the, the mobility of, of all the players to get back in, and back into position and, and try and break up play it was really really impressive and you know mm. um, I have to shout out Aaron McCann it was a bit like a prime canty um, <laughs> so the Perth Canty will we'll give them, um, but just in terms of covering distance and breaking up play, there was you know a, it was a real joy to watch from Alan McCann. And, but overall, yeah, the, you know, the effort was just consistent for St Johnson, and I think it, it deserves to be applauded. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that, Gavin. There was a, a lot to like, and, and like you said, enjoy out of the way that they were approaching the match and the amount of kind of disciplined work and uh, smart kind of pressing they were putting in. Despite all that, you know, despite their their good, um, impressive and, and successful work, um, Rangers did have a few opportunities. Um, Xander Clark, um, who we'll, of course, come on to later a little bit, 
did have to make a couple of really big saves during the 90 minutes. Um, do you want to talk me through any of those um, kind of chances that Rangers actually did have? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when you're playing Rangers at, at this sort of level, you need everyone to be playing at their absolute best. And and this was the, the best I think I've seen from Xander Clark in quite a while. I've been pretty critical of his performances uh, and I guess his, his decline. But uh, in this game, he really sort of showed up for St. Johnston. There was you know, a number of saves throughout the 90. There was one in the first half from Glenn Kamara where it's a two v one with Morelos and Kamara. Kamara doing the overlap and run. You probably want that the other way about with Morelos coming mm. onto it rather than Kamara. But um, Kamara gets his, his shot away, and it's, it's a good sort of it's a save Clark should make based on where Kamara places it. But it's still a good save nonetheless. And you know, it's a, mm. a, a difficult situation. A sort of two v one with your opponent getting a clear attempt on goal and a high pressured game. So I think that you know that was a good save and maybe give Clark a little bit of confidence, uh, a little bit of self-belief. Um, mm. There was a, another good save from Morelos, you know, these sort of shots we've seen him take where he, he really, you know, puts his foot through it and there's a lot of power from mm. a sort of difficult angle, uh, which I think can sometimes catch keepers off guard. Uh, Clark made a good save from that. But I guess the key one was uh, the one from the Morelos header where, Mm. Um, tries to place it back across goal uh, and Clark does a, a really good job to to stop that nice. one it's a, it's a brilliant pick out from Ryan Kent and yeah a, a really good save from Xander Clark and I think again just as I said when you're playing Rangers and you're playing them in a, a one-off tie you need everyone to be on their game if you're going to get a result and, and fair play to Xander Clark he stepped up and obviously as, as we'll get to um you know, made, made such a difference for St Johnston. I'd agree with all that, Gavin. The, the thing that kind of stuck out to me about those saves, certainly the Kamara one that you mentioned, then the Morelos header um, later on, where that it was kind of um, essentially the legs. You know, it was kind of full body that Clark was putting on the line, slightly kind of unconventional maybe, but sort of, you know, managing to cover all the angles really well and, and kind of instinctive um, reactions to make that kind of save despite, you know, like you pointed to, Morelos tried to header it smartly back across goal, but Clark was there with the leg and yeah, impressive, really good saves. Um despite his best efforts though, um, you know, Rangers did pop up um with what seemed likely to be the winner um, once it went to the extra time. And it was a goal from James Taver- Tavernier. Not not the first goal that he scored this season by any means, but a little bit different maybe. He was at maybe the wrong post for him, I guess. Um what was this goal like? Mm-hmm. Talk me through it. Yeah, this felt like a real sucker punch for St. Johnston. Uh, mm. It started to look like Rangers were running out of ideas. And, and we actually seen quite a drop-off in Rangers' performance and attack and threat when they took Morelos off for Kamar Roof. You know, I just want mm. to quickly say was really unimpactful in this game and struggled against the three St. Johnston centre-backs when he came on. But the goal itself, um, so the ball's out on the left-hand side with Ryan Kent, who I mentioned earlier, you need to try and shut down because you can make things happen involved in the goal build-up and again we've seen it here so he's carrying the ball and and plays that sort of ball back to Joe Aribo who then you know sets himself well and and places a fantastic sort of ball into a really difficult area um and it's a sort of similar there to the Morelos chance so I don't know if that's something Mm. Rangers maybe targeted um but Taverne does so well to go up with the header and and heads it in and it's it's a a brilliant goal from Taverne a brilliant leap to be able to get I think it's a Above Jamie McCart, who's you know he's a, he's a big defender. I think he's what six two, six three. Um, 
and Tavernier is able to to win that header and, and put Rangers ahead. And for hmm. that point, you know, you, you that felt like that was it. That was a game over. Um, sure, absolutely. It's, you know, just moments to go in extra time. But incredibly, um, Xander Clark, uh, goalkeeper, helps St Johnston equalise in the dying moments of extra time. I have to confess, Gavin, I thought that Clark himself had actually scored, but it seems to have been credited to. Chris Kane, can you tell me what what could have happened here? Um, you know, this was an injury time, an extra time, just incredible scenes. What what went on? It was absolutely amazing, uh, incredible to see. And there, you know, from a St Johnston point of view, what what a feeling that must have been for St Johnston mm. fans. You know, the hundred twenty first minute, the actual last real chance in the game. Um, you know, uh, but you know, in terms of what happened. Uh, so St Johnston won a corner not long from actually Rangers having the ball in the you know deep in the St Johnston area, and uh, there's a bit of a breakaway. And Michael Halloran's sort of using his pace down the the left hand side, uh, and somehow gets into a one v one versus Borna Barisic. And I think as we we break this goal down, that's probably one of the you know the starting phase, which is frustrating from you'd imagine Stephen Gerrard and Michael Beals. Uh, sort of thoughts that they allowed themselves to have the defender in a sort of one v one situation where Barisic has to make a, bit of a, a sort of sliding tackle to push it out um, for a corner. So the corner itself, the ball goes into the penalty spot, and there is no one marking Xander Clark. The closest player being Kamar Roof, but I watched this back three or four times. If you watch Kamar Roof, he actually takes a, a step forward, a couple of steps forward, following Michael Harlan as he runs to the, the sort of front post. Um, and that leaves space for Xander Clark and leaves him completely uh, isolated in the box, which, you know, hmm. he's a big guy. You can't leave a... a in a fluorescent couple. green, uh, you know, yeah. outfit too, right? Not exactly incognito or camouflaged. Absolutely. <laughs> but if, if I'm, again, watching that back, I'm thinking, you know, why Stephen Davis was actually at the front post. So if Michael Hallen's trying to run to the front post, that zone is already sort of covered by Stephen Davis, so Roof needs to sort of stay where he is in case, you know, there's the next phase of, is there a flick on rather than leaving Xander Clark mm. by himself? It's, it's a pretty poor decision from Kamar Roof uh, when you watch it back. But the ball, it breaks in and it, it sort of hits off Xander Clark. And like you, in the moment, I thought it was, it was Clark's goal, but it sort of deflects off of Chris Kane, who actually played an important part in this goal as well, because when you watch it back, he's actually blocking Alan McGregor's ability to come and collect the ball. Um, so he's sort of standing in front of McGregor. Hmm. When I watched it back again, this is me maybe being a bit cynical here. I want McGregor to be doing more. I want him to get in front of Chris Kane and trying to put the pressure on that ball. And actually, you know, he gets he, he kind of allows himself to get embroiled in the in Chris Kane and Barisic in front of him. Hmm. And I think if you're the keeper there, if you make a bigger deal of that, these are the sort of things where you probably get the free kick. Um, and sure. I think, you know, for me, uh, I would just be, again, pretty frustrated from a Rangers point of view on how, what's happened here. There's there's some pretty bad defending overall. Mm. Not to take away from, you know, how big a goal this is for St. Johnson and how amazing it is, but I just think when you when you break down the, the scenes of what happened, it's, it's probably frustrating. And the other thing, and this is just a little bit of maybe conjecture from me, but I was wondering, you know, could Rangers have maybe brought on Cedric Itten at that moment from a height perspective? So he's, he's six foot plus. St Johnston were really dominant in there most of the game. Rangers lost Philip Hollander, um, who, you know, is, is one of the better 
aerial presences and brought on Jack Simpson uh, to replace him for an injury. Um, but, you know, you're in the, the 117th, 119th minute. The only way that some shots are really going to create something you'd imagine is from direct play, from set pieces. So I was just wondering, could there have been a bit of game management there from Rangers to, to I guess, not, uh, to assess that and to, you know, also the other, the other advantage of Rangers potentially making that sub is you're, you're killing a bit of time, right? So I just sure. wondered... And, and, if, and also it's a, a guy that's potentially capable of taking a penalty in case it does go wrong. Exactly. You know, another, um, forward. I, I think those are all fair points, Gavin. I, I do think that um, in terms of the goalkeeper, um, McGregor in this case, um, you know, should have comfort. I agree with you um, in, in this instance. I think it's becoming a wee bit of a theme for you, though, this, these <laughs> expectations of goalkeepers to come out and claim crosses. I've got scenes uh, in my head now of us in a couple months' time um, on a training pitch with a group <laughs> of Scottish SPFL goalkeepers um, playing the attacking team and you in goal having to face a corner and see if you can actually come out and uh, claim it. But yeah, anyway, we'll see if that Transpires. Um, Stephen Gerrard kind of said that you can't kind of legislate for the goalkeeper coming up, and I guess to an extent he's correct. You know, obviously it's an extra body that you don't really anticipate, you can't really account for. But I definitely think that you know a team Rangers with the players of the experience that they have and so on in a moment of that sort, they they really should have sorted that out better. It was um, dreadful for them, but what an incredible moment for St Johnston. I mean, just to get an equaliser at any point is great to get. An Equaliser in the dying moments of extra time is incredible. To get that in a cup match is even more incredible, and to have your goalkeeper um, effectively do it is it's just unbelievable. Um, and of course, Johnston went on and um, won the match on penalties. Um, I, I wanted to get your general thoughts, Gavin, on St Johnston's season and maybe Callum Davidson and his kind of rookie yeah. season as a manager. What, what do you think of how it's gone for them, generally speaking? Just to follow on from from you, it's been an incredible season for them, right? Uh, I mean, they've won mm. the Betfred. That's an incredible ach- achievement. Um, but now they're in another semi-final with a good chance of progressing to the the final. And I think from St. Johnson, you know, you you probably wouldn't have had that in your your sort of wildest dreams of what your expectations are. Um, you know, mm. potentially two finals with one trophy already in the bag. But uh, you know, the fact that they've been able to do that, they've been able to finishing the top six. I think from a St. Johnson perspective, you probably couldn't ask for it anymore and you probably wouldn't get any more. It's just been overall an incredible effort from them. They're a really organised team with an incredible base level of fitness, attitude and application. I think Davidson has got you know this team playing really well um, and you know every chance that he can get a bigger move and that's not in a disrespectful way or wishing him away, but it's all on, on merit. It's what St. Johnson have done and you know, uh, I think I've seen that uh, they've got the lowest non-penalty XG conceded outside of the old firm since 2015. You know, wow. and that's meaning that they're not giving up good chances and they're, you know, really limiting their opponents. They've also had a, a positive XG differential for most of the season, which I think placed them around about the third or fourth mark. I can't remember yep. exactly off the top of my head. But there's a lot to say that Watson Johnson are doing is done by design. And they're executing yep. at an incredibly high level against teams with a far superior budget. So all all things are saying that, you know, for me, Callum Davidson probably deserves manager of the year. 
Yeah, um, I'd agree with everything you said there, um, Gavin. The, the underlying numbers look really good, like you said, throughout the season. Those have been good. Um, one thing I wanted to just note on St Johnston is that, um, I mean, back after 10 matches in the league, they were bottom, um, you know, back in October. And a couple of teams that were you know above them had only played nine matches. Um, so things weren't great then in terms of results, but the underlying numbers had always looked uh, good for them. Um, and I think there's maybe a, a lesson there about allowing somebody if Absolutely. the underlying stats look good and the kind of process is there to work through things and, you know, things should come. And I think, you know, Davidson and the players at St Johnston need um, to uh, deserve a, a lot of credit for the achievements this season. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the remainder of the Cup. So I guess let, let's go on to that, right? The Scottish Cup. Um, I want to know who will win the, the Scottish Cup and then we'll maybe have a wee bit of a chat about what they actually get out of winning it. Um, so St Johnston will be joining Hibs, Dundee United and either Comarnock or St Mirren in the final four. It's currently extra time um, between Comarnock and St Mirren. It's two each there. St, St Mirren got quite a late goal to bring it back to, to each. So we'll, we'll keep our eye on that. Maybe by the end of recording we'll know who uh, the fourth team in the semi-finals is. But as it stands, Gavin, um, out of those... Who do you think might win the, the Cup? So, who will win the Cup? I'm going to say that St Johnston do it. I'm going to say that okay. they do the double and they'd actually be the first team since, I think it's 1983, uh, outside of Rangers Celtic, to have won two trophies uh, in one season. Um, yeah. We've already sort of outlined a number of reasons why and, and how you can sort of trust that St Johnston are going to do good things. But then... I think the, the real bull on as to why St. Johnson should win is both the fact that they've announced two brand new pies, steak, <laughs> black pudding, and macaroni and chorizo. And if that's not enough to back the Super Saints, I don't know what is. Oh, those are good choices, right? Um, so what was that? Just repeat them again. Macaroni and chorizo and steak and black pudding, did you say? Yeah, yeah that's it, mate. Wow. Okay, Sounds incredible, unreal. right? Yeah, they've, they've kind of got my vote for that alone. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um what about what they get, right? So obviously we know that you know if you, if you win a trophy, it's an incredible moment for the players, you know, glory, a great feeling for the fans, even if you know potentially they can't be there at the time. Um, but also the key thing, I guess, for this um, cup, the Scottish Cup winner, is the European um, entitlement you get. So do, do you know anything about what what you actually receive in terms of Europe for this, Gavin? Yeah, so uh, I think you'll be able to talk us through in a bit more detail, but you get. Is it straight to the, the final round of qualifying for the Europa League? Yeah, that's exactly it. So you go into the, the final playoff round for the Europa League. And if you win that match, then obviously you qualify for the Europa League group stage. But if you lose it, you qualify for the Europa Conference League um, group stage, which is uh, UEFA's new um, kind of third tier competition. But that that's really exciting either way. Um, so those both those tournaments have um, eight um, groups of four teams, so guarantees you um, some European matches, guarantees you um, huge, you know, financial um, gains potentially for clubs of the level of the the four that will be in the semi-finals. Um, potentially, depending on the situation, might meet, lead to some European away days um, for fans. Um, you know, potentially for fans of clubs that have not had that opportunity for some time. So. Um, absolutely brilliant, and obviously, you know, apart from the money, you know, maybe the the reputational boost that being in European football gets you, and and just these moments for the fans, even if they can't make the trip, you know, it's it's all about um, 
creating memories, right, for the, the fan base and, and so on. So huge extra benefits beyond just winning the, the trophy and the kind of glory that, that comes with that. So a lot to play for and very, very exciting for me that it's teams like St Johnston and Dundee United and Kilmarnock and St Mirren and Hibernian that might be the one that does that. This is the first ever season um, that neither Celtic or Rangers have made the semi-final stage of at least one out of the Scottish Cup or the Scottish League Cup. So quite significant. I, I was kind of a little bit taken aback by that. I mean, it, it, it kind of stands to reason a little bit, but for it to happen this season, when maybe my kind of assumption um, earlier in the season or kind of, you know, towards the start of it might have been that, if anything, the impact of COVID is going to make things easier um, for the bigger, you know, uh, more wealthy teams. Um, but, you know, a, a, and obviously a cup competition, you know, there's very fine margins. You know, obviously Rangers only went out on penalties. Um, but it's interesting that in both of the, the cup tournaments, neither Celtic or Rangers have got to the, um, you know, to, to the latter stages. Very, very interesting for that to happen in this season. Um, so, yeah, did, did you you said that you think St Johnston are ones that are going to do it then, Gavin? Yeah. Yep. I'm believing okay. in the Saints. What okay. about you? I'm still kind of humming and hawing until I see this uh, Kilmarnock versus St Mirren result come through. But um, I can see that Kilmarnock have got a third goal. Ross Millen has scored. Um, oh, wow. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with you. St Johnston are going to do the double yes. in terms of cup tournaments as, uh, this season, right? And we'll see what happens with that. Right, let's move on to our next topic, okay? So we are going to pick a team of Scottish teenagers. This is just a bit of fun. Um, probably many names that will be familiar to watchers of Scottish football and certainly to regular listeners of this podcast. We've only allowed ourselves to pick players that are aged 19 and under, um, so teenagers, obviously. And we wanted a vaguely Steve Clark Scotland-style formation, I guess essentially imagining ourselves doing a fast-track Scotland under-21 team to then kind of have pathway up to the main squad and so on um, in a, a reasonable period of time. And we're going to run through our selection um, for each position. I'm not going to give any detail on any alternative players that might have made it. We hope you will maybe hit us up and tell us who should have been included. And then maybe we can do a second team um, comprised of audience, listener, um, kind of collective suggestions on social media. Um, so let's just get right into it, Gavin. Um, goalkeeper, we're going with Kieran Slicker of Manchester City. Um, so Slicker is, um, I think, one standout thing about, about him that we should flag up is that he has just um, last week won the Premier League Two in England under-23 tournament. Uh, Manchester City are the champion uh, this season and they clinched it with a 3-0 win over Manchester United last weekend and um, Slicker has played um, quite a significant number of the matches um, for Manchester City at that level this season, um, despite being quite young, obviously, for that level. Um, it's under-23 football. Um, but yeah, he played in the game against Manchester United, for example. So congratulations to them. It's a very significant thing to have achieved and mm -hmm. you know um, deserve to be kind of remarked upon. Is there anything you particularly know about Slicker or any kind of thoughts on him and, and his position in this team, Gavin? Yeah, so um, I think Slicker seems like a really exciting prospect. Obviously, he's a, an excellent team to learn. Uh, and, you know, by all accounts, he's getting that opportunity. It's not like he's the, you know, the third or fourth choice uh, sort of reserve goalkeeper uh, or youth goalkeeper. Um, I think he's, he's you know, 
playing with and learn from incredible talent around about him. Uh, I actually spoke to Fraser Stewart, uh, head of Scotland goalkeeping, a wee while ago, and we had a bit of a conversation about Kieran Slicker and what what Fraser sort of described him as. He's he is a very modern European type goalkeeper. You know, excellent reactions, but he's got a good size frame. Um, very technical in his approach. Um, you know, wants to play out from the back, wants to, you know, have the ball at his feet and, and looks really exciting. Uh, I think uh, what Fraser said, though, is that he needs to work a little bit on, um, you know, his ability in more difficult situations. You're not always going to be at Man City playing out from the back. You're going to have to deal with different types of uh, mm. problem solving from a goalkeeping situation, you know, um, whether that's being a bit more aggressive, coming and collecting more cross balls or, you know, having to organise a defence, uh, not always having, you know, possession. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how he's able to adapt, but all the signs look look promising about Kieran Slicker. What about you? What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, similar to you. Um, so the kind of attributes, he, he's tall, uh, he's got safe hands. But I guess one thing that strikes you is that, you know, you can tell he's at Manchester City due to um, his ability with his feet, perhaps compared to the... Uh, you know, the kind of standard um, Scottish goalkeeper of a, a similar age. Um, so th- those are interesting attributes for him to have, right, that that blend of things. In terms of other detail, um, I watched him play um, the first time in person live about two years ago now, um, almost exactly two years ago it might, must be, um, for Scotland under-17s. And it was a, a difficult match. Um, he came on um, as a sub against Russia um, after Jamie Smith, who's a, a goalkeeper at Hamilton Ackies, gave away a penalty and got sent off in the same instant. We were already down to 10 men at that point after Kieran Dixon, um, Rangers player who's on loan at Queen of the South at the moment, was sent off after, I think, about 25 minutes. But Slicker came on and immediately saved the penalty, which is quite remarkable. And, you know, um, obviously um, an impressive thing to do when you're you're fresh off the bench. And he's impressed me each time I've seen him um, after that, mainly just on video, I have to admit. But, yeah, it looks like... Um, a really good um, prospect. So he, he is our pick for the most exciting um, Scottish teenage goalkeeper. Let's move on to um, one of his defenders. Okay, so we said we were going a sort of approximate Steve Clark type formation. So playing at right wing back, we've got Nathan Patterson. I, I went recently on to podcast The Heart and Hand, um, which is a, a Rangers podcast um, at the invitation of Adam Thornton, who's a friend of this podcast, to talk about Nathan Patterson. I would recommend anybody um, does check that out. It's on their Patreon. Um, but yeah, you can get to hear me talk for 20, 25 minutes all about Nathan Patterson on that. Um, but let, let's hear your thoughts, Gavin, first of all. Anything you want to say about Patterson at this point? Any thoughts on how he's been this season so far? Yeah, I think he's done a great job. I think, uh, you know, if you line up his performances next to James Tavernier, albeit there are mm. some differences, there's still a lot that are similar. Um, mm. Patterson's able to carry the ball through the phases. He's able to, you know, be really progressive with his approach in terms of his decision-making, really accurate passer, uh, gets involved in the play, offers overlaps, um, is involved in goal build-up. He's actually better defensively uh, in terms, at least in the the raw numbers, uh, than Tavernier. There are things that he needs to work on, um, but you know what? Find me a nineteen-year-old that doesn't have things to work on. Um, but yeah, I think Parson is just an incredible talent, and uh, you know someone that I think 
I think Rangers have got their version of Kieran Tierney here. That's how how highly I think Patterson could go. Um, I think you know for for a nineteen year old, what we're seeing from him, and albeit yes, we have to caveat it with you know it's a small sample size of minutes, but it seems very very promising. Um, I, I can't think of a, a young player breaking through at Rangers uh, with this much potential in, in a long time. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Gavin. What one of the most exciting prospects that Rangers have had, and also one of the most exciting prospects that Scotland have had for quite some time. Um, I really like uh, his kind of desire to attack open spaces. You know, he's a very kind of proactive. Um, you know, I could see him being a wing back in this system, and really kind of just burning up the flank. You know, carrying the ball or or just driving forward to be open for a pass. You know, you kind of show him an empty flank and he's going to go for it. Um, but like you mentioned also, he's, he's strong in the tackle. You know, you saw in the, the match against Celtic um, recently that, you know, he's got some grit about him. He's not scared of a challenge. Um, you know, he'll go into things um, 1v1. And I think, you know, some things in that game, Adam was talking to me about some stylistic things that he noticed in that match. Some things maybe similar to what Tavernier might offer for Rangers, you know, the kind of, Movement inside, um, and and some maybe some development to um, Patterson's game in those areas. So I'm I'm really excited to see what he learns and what he you know he's at a very good club in terms of learning about what a fullback can do, both from Tavernier and also from Barisic. You know things like movement, things like um, passing, um, you know switches of play, diagonals, set piece delivery, all these kind of things, adding goals to your game. You know being at the back post for those headers on goal. Stuff like that. I think he's he's only going to accelerate in his learning and develop even more. And I'm really excited by that because, for me personally, seeing him for Scotland, um, where he's uh, he's played quite a lot. That I've watched him, so he's he's played for um, under 17s, under 19s, and under 21s. I've seen him at each of those three levels, um, but quite often, especially lately, um, it's it's not necessarily been the best positional or system suit you know Scotland under 21s he's been played as a right winger at times in a 4-3-3 with kind of two fullbacks essentially on both sides um, filling those roles and, and I think it's it's going to be good to see him get a chance to um, you know go into the actual position and role but but develop all the kind of different attributes you can have within that role um, so yeah I'm excited and he would definitely be our most exciting teenager um, for that kind of right wing back spot. Let, let's move um, inside slightly. Okay, so we're going to go to the right side centre back here, and I'm picking uh, Jamie Hamilton for this. And um, the the match I mentioned earlier when I was talking about Kieran Slicker, the game against Russia for uh, Scotland under 17s, he was the centre back partner in that match of Liam Morrison, who's now at Bayern Munich. Um, and Jamie has played for Scotland 16, 17s, and 19s. And is of course playing senior football in the Scottish Premiership for Hamilton Ackies. I think that um, Hamilton has been hugely impressive this season. So it was a, a little bit up and down last season. There was some difficult moments for him. I think this season, it's unfortunate for him that he's maybe not had, or, or maybe it's fortunate. I don't know how you would see it, but I would say that generally speaking in the media, he's maybe not had as good a press this season as he might have deserved because of sending off. Um, so he had a really great spell for me um, from the tail end of last year up until sending off against Hibs. And I think if he hadn't been sent off that day, 
everybody was going to be talking about him because he was on a, a really great run, but that's kind of stunted things a little bit, both in terms of him getting back in the t- to the team, um, but also just maybe in a way that things have been perceived about him this season. But I, th- I think he's done really, really well. I've been very impressed for him to play in a, a challenging um, you know, uh, environment in, in terms of Hamilton being at the bottom of the league and you know him being a young centre-back with partnerships sometimes changing you know, with maybe O'Dolphin uh, slotting back into defence and stuff. Um, so I, I think he's done really well and, and it's quite a, a tough role for some of the games I've watched because some some games um, the right wing-back, maybe Hodson for Aki's is asked to push and press aggressively quite high and Hamilton's got to be ready to, you know, go out into the channels and defend one v one versus people that are maybe pretty good athletes. But also, he's got to be a really good uh, penalty box defender for when you know Aki's sit deep and maybe are facing a bit of onslaught of pressure. So there's, there's quite a lot of different, um, you know, it's it's he's asked to do defending in quite a few different ways. I would say. Um, so I think he deserves a lot of credit for how he's done this season. I, I'm really excited by him. I think also he's had a a bit of a physical um, shoot this season too, which is good. Um, you know, a bit of growth and, and um, looks like he could handle things at a senior level and, and certainly can. What what about your thoughts on him, Gavin? Anything you'd want to say about Hamilton? Yeah, I really like Jamie Hamilton. Just to echo a lot of what you, you say, you know, he's put into a difficult situation with a team where he's expected to be able to uh, defend in more advanced areas and, and you sort of see him do a really good job of that actually um, and I think that you know he's someone that he's a very modern type centre-back he's comfortable playing with the ball at his feet he's comfortable carrying it forward you know I think in terms of uh, of dribbles per 90 for centre-backs I think he's got the most um, with a, a high succession rate um, you know his ability to play a good range of passes to have a good range of passing and find those passes um, again in a difficult situation at Hamilton, um, I think he's someone that could go pretty pretty far pretty quickly. Um, the only thing I would say from him, whilst whilst you're, you're right, I think he has taken a, a little bit of a, a sort of a, not a growth spurt, but he's, he's sort of fell out a bit more. He does need to sort of improve his ability in the air. Um, I don't feel confident with him. Um, when he's competing in there, I would like to see him maybe try and anticipate the flight of the ball a little bit better than he does. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think there's again a lot of promise about this kid, and uh, yeah, I think get him to a, a ball playing team, uh, ask him to play out from the back and carry the ball out, and he'll succeed. Yeah, I think people maybe don't realise that he is a, a good passer. You know, he's got a quick uh, brain. Good technique, um, doesn't kind of make errors even when pressed and, and asked to pass too often. So it's a good shout, Gavin. Um, talking of modern types of centre backs, got another one for you. So our kind of central centre back in this trio is Ibane Bowett. Um, so he's playing for Fulham, um, playing for their under 18 team, um, and they're second in the under 18 Premier League South um, division. There's two uh, divisions at that. You know, level uh, north and south for the Premier League. Um, so they're, they're second in the table, but they're only three points behind the leaders, Crystal Palace. 
and they actually have a game in hand and have a much better goal difference. There's only three matches to go for them in that division, so you know, good opportunity for them to win. Um, and you know, we'll have another um, Premier League champion in this team alongside Kieran Slicker. Um, like I said, he is a, a modern type of centre back. I've watched a fair bit of Ben Bowett um, on video, and I, I really, really like him. Um, he's got a good blend of um, height and technique um so not the sort of person i would be concerned about in terms of uh long balls up and him having to deal with that not the type of defender i would to be too concerned if he had to go and you know battle a really physical center forward i think he's capable of that although obviously with the caveat that he's not playing senior men's football yet um but also he can bring it out of defense he's got a lovely pass a good left foot on him um, really, really impressed by him. I, I think he's one that maybe is going to come under the radar a little bit for people. And in terms of you know young Scottish centre backs, could could maybe be definitely one um, from this list to look out for. Maybe a little bit unheard of, but I, I really rate. Um, he's played the the majority of matches for Fulham in their under eighteen campaign, and he was their captain in the most recent uh, match. And he was also in the most recent Scotland under-19 squad, which was the kind of um, aborted friendlies back in October of 2020 against England um, when, you know, it was a kind of realisation there was a COVID issue midway through a match. But ho- hopefully he'll be back in um, Scotland colours very, very soon because he-, he does have some options. He's eligible for a number of different countries. Um, but, you know, I guess we're in the kind of driving seat for now and I hope that continues because I, I really like him. Have you have you watched any about it? Do you have any thoughts about him, Gavin? Just a little bit. I think he you covered him pretty well. I think he, he's got good pace for a centre back, good technique, good height, size, and frame. I think uh, someone that I probably want to move to the twenty ones pretty quickly with. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, the, the opportunity that he could play for uh, Cameroon or France, but also the fact that Porteous and Tom McIntyre are, are about to no longer be eligible. Uh, as mm. is George Johnston. So, you know, we need to do something at centre-back and I think Barrett looks physically ready to make that step up. Uh, it interests me, I read that he... So his ambitions for next year is to still stay with film. He doesn't actually want to go on loan, um, which I, I find is quite interesting. Um, mm. Not sure if that's just like an internal decision on what's best for him, but um, maybe he's not saying that he's got a good chance of being promoted to the film you know, uh, first team squad, you know, potentially, I don't know, but just that interested me. Um, mm. Normally you want, you hear younger players saying that, they, you know, they really want to go out on loan and get first team football, whereas, you know, he's still obviously young, so there's not like a, a, a real urgent rush, but I usually find at that age, that's when teams are starting to, you know, look at the, the loans that are available for these types of players. Okay, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens and what he's thinking around that. I had read that he was interested in some other clubs and there was the possibility he might be moving to Arsenal. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and see what, what goes on um, with him. But yeah, very, very exciting young centre-back. Um, we, we said that, so we're, we're talking about Bowett potentially being earmarked by us for the Scotland under-21s. And we said that we were in some ways trying to mirror the Scotland senior um, setup and, and, you know, kind of accelerate people here. So let, let's do that a little bit here by thinking about who might be the, um, I don't know, the kind of comparable for the Kieran Tierney sort of role at left-sided centre-back. We're going to pick out Josh Doig um, for that. So Doig um, obviously plays 
left back, left wing back for Hibs. But he has also played as centre back as a youth. Um, and I think that he could be a good fit um, for this kind of role, particularly if we cast our mind back to Tierney's kind of function against the Faroe Islands for Scotland and the way that he both kind of underlapped and overlapped Andy Robertson um, on the left. I, I think I can see Doig doing similar kind of bulk carrying type stuff, but also being very, very secure um, as a defender, you know, potentially being somebody that I would be comfortable playing as a centre-back um, and being aerially challenged. You know, he's got the height and, and the kind of build that I think probably he could grow into being able to cope that cope with that. It's not to say that I think that this is the route Hibs should take at all. I've been very excited and, and enjoyed watching him playing as a, a left wing back this season and along may that kind of you know rampage and runs and, and you know stuff down the flank continue. But just for this team, this system, uh, I think we're going to do that. And um, he's really hit the ground running this season, hasn't he, Gavin? Have you had any thoughts on on Doig? Yeah, I've been really excited by Josh Doig, and I, and I like the idea of, of him taking that sort of sort of Kieran Tierney role uh, on the left sided mm-hmm. centre back. He's comfortable carrying the ball forward, he, as you said. He's good in the the air. Um, I think he's got a really good size frame. He's physically more imposing than than Kieran Tierney. Um, you know, he, he's a big kid. I think he's again sort of six foot plus. Um, so yeah, I think Doig would would cover that centre back role well. He's obviously played there, as you mentioned. So, to me, I think this is ticking a lot of boxes. And also, you know, we're trying to emulate Steve Clark. So, what better way to emulate Steve Clark than actually having a left-sided problem with two left-backs? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've, you've got to keep giving yourself these um, these issues. Um, Doig was in the last Scotland under-19s um, squad, which was, you know, that game uh, last October against England. Um, so, very much ex- expect him to be continuing in Scotland youth squads but again might be one that I would say at this point we'll be looking to accelerate to the under 21s level given he's clearly more than capable of playing senior uh, men's football. Let's move on to left wing back and somebody else that has been playing uh, senior men's football um, for quite a bit of time now. This is Aaron Hickey. So Aaron Hickey of course is at Bologna now. It's been quite a difficult first season for him in Italy. Um, He's out injured now. He's had have surgery on his shoulder um, going to keep him out for the remainder of the season as far as I know but the surgery did go well um, which is great um, Hickey's obviously a huge prospect it's it's kind of funny I was thinking today about how it's it's funny how things can sort of change because that same game against Russia that I keep mentioning from kind of two years ago for the under 17s he was on the bench um, for that match and Finn Ekrapont who's now on loan at Albion Rovers and Two was the starting left back in that game, so it's kind of funny, you know, how things can change. But also, I think maybe just at Scotland youth level, sometimes your availability can affect your selection. You know, if Hickey maybe wasn't available for some squads for whatever reasons, maybe maybe that kept him at a team, which I, I can understand. You know, managers want to go with people that they know will be available, but it's just funny um, how how you know that that's maybe. Um, not really how we would have thought things would have been two years ago in a Scotland youth team. I think we'd have thought, you know, Hickey, surely things were kind of built around him and, uh, to an extent because I think he's a really exciting type of player. Um, I think he's the type of player that in this sort of team that we're building, he could be quite a good weapon. Um, for me, Hickey's best attribute has always been his passing. I think if you watch him, you can see clearly that he was a midfielder as a super young kid. 
and his his technique um, and the way that he executes passes, the way that he's able to make good long passes and keep the accuracy of them and the um, the the kind of danger that he creates for them high, it is really you know the, the standout key thing for me. Um, I think he's he's grown um, on the defensive side of his game. You know, towards the start, I felt that too often maybe he. He got in those situations where sometimes you give away a foul or sometimes you win the foul, where you know the kind of tackle, the one v one thing becomes very kind of messy, um, you know, and you kind of tangled a wee bit. I felt that you know maybe he wasn't managing situations um, effectively, like kind of thinking a couple of steps ahead and where you put your body and how how you kind of manage the opponent to make it more predictable. Um, but I think he's growing in that way, and, and you know he's always had the tenacity that means that. In those situations, if things go wrong, you know, you can sometimes still win or at the worst, you know, maybe both of you kind of go down and, and a foul gets given. But I, th- I think that's improving. That would be the key thing that I would keep looking for him to improve uh, and also to maybe make the passing more effective in the final third, um, you know, to can he carve out chances? Can he be that kind of particular if we're going to play him at left wing back in this system? Is he going to deliver the crosses for us that you know maybe we would all imagine that Andy Robertson would be for, for Scotland senior team? Um so yeah that, that that's Hickey and and you know very very excited by him and still super young and hopeful that although this has been a bit of a start stop season for him in Bologna, um that next season he can really start, you know, kind of um you know progressing his career he's only going to turn you know he's, he's still only 18 right now he'll, he'll only be 19 at the start of next season so um excited about how things go um what about you gavin any thoughts on hickey at all just to echo a lot of of what you said to be fair you know the eight nine hundred minutes that he's had at bologna is probably more than i expected him to get this year um mm. so you know i think that's an incredible uh you know, sort of positive achievement when you consider obviously the injury as well. I think you know he would have had more. So, um, but there's a couple of things that stand out. Obviously, you mentioned his pass accuracy. Uh, just some some stats that you know really highlight that he's got an overall ninety percent pass accuracy. Um, you know, obviously you, you have to be doing things when you're you're in possession, but uh, he's he's also uh, in the final third. He's got an eighty six point one one percent pass accuracy. And that puts him in the top percentile for final third pass accuracies out of uh, left-sided fullbacks. And it also, just as you mentioned, well, like his ability to use his body, he's playing 8.05 interceptions per 90 as well. So it's like he's reading the game better uh, as he's playing it more. And that puts him in the top percentile for interceptions as well. So lots of positives about Aaron Hickey and his uh, debut season in Serie A. Mm, potentially. Um, I'll... I'll... Remain sceptical about the stats of that sort, but um, they're interesting. I don't know. I just get a picture in my mind of, is your final third pass accuracy quite good because you get to um, the byline and then you're having to pass it back to the left midfielder because you can't find a way through, you know, things like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'll take uh, I'll take it positively, Gavin, and, and we'll say hopefully that's indications of um, good things uh, and I'm very, very positive about next season. Just a wee bit distracted here because I can see that Kilmarnock versus St Mirren has gone to penalties. Um, so it got oh, to wow. three each after extra time and it's a penalty shootout just now. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that to see who um, will be joining St Johnston in the, the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup. Um, but let's let's move on, right? Well, let's move into midfield now. 
I'm going to go with uh, two centre midfielders again, kind of similar to what Steve Clark plays in a way. Um, and the first of those is going to be Louis Fiorini. Um, so he's at NAC Breda um, in the Netherlands just now on loan from Manchester City. He's only 18 years old, but he's become a key player and an important part of their attempt to push for promotion. Um, Gavin, do you, do you have any thoughts on Fiorini at all? He's played a lot of minutes for them this, this season. I've seen him um, play for Scotland. I mean, he's played for Scotland under 16, 17, 19, and now under 21 level. I, I would imagine he'll be a key figure for the under 21s in the next cycle. But I, I'd be keen to hear your thoughts. Any Anything you want to say about Fiorini? Yeah, I mean he's he's technically excellent, right? His his technical abilities and and uh, his ability to you know um, manipulate the ball and you know strike a ball. I think some of the goals he's scored this season have been just incredible. Um, mm. You know his his ball carrying ability in the middle uh, looks really promising as well. I, I do like you said. You know I think he's at I think just over two thousand minutes was was what I seen, which is a a lot of minutes for an eighteen year old. Um, but obviously, fair play to him because he's you know been able to to contribute to Breda, and uh, I, I just I, I don't just worry how he's going to translate coming back to the UK, and I worry that his highlight reel is going to get him a bigger loan move than I personally think he's ready for. I um, mm. I have this horrible feeling that he's going to end up at like a Middlesbrough or a Cardiff or someone like that, and it's going to be a bit of a lost year. Just mm. because of how exciting his, his sort of highlight reel looks, um, sure. So I, 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 not that to say that he couldn't do it, but just if he goes to the wrong team too quickly, mm. I, I think it could be difficult for him. Um, he, I think he needs to be in a a team that that plays, you know, uh, not to say Breda play brilliant football because it, it's probably far from it, but it's more. I want to see him in a technically based team where he's got the opportunity to have the ball at his feet rather than it being uh, a bypassing of the midfield. Then I think we could lose him. Sure. Um, I think that's fair, Gavin. There's definitely a lot for him to think about. I mean, for, for any player that's a youth player in this kind of situation, particularly when they're at Manchester City, it's going to be a difficult process to navigate, you know, what, what his next move is. But I think, you know, you'd have to take the positives out of this season. You know, it's pretty remarkable to go abroad at such a young age and become a, a key player for a team. He's even had an injury as well. Um so, you know, and, and had some uh time out due to COVID isolation and stuff. So showing a lot of resilience, I guess, to be able to do that, particularly away from home, particularly in um pandemic where the assume maybe he's not able to have family and friends visit him the way that you might normally if you were on loan abroad. So um a lot to like, I think, in terms of you know attitude and, and will to kind of succeed and so on. And in terms of playing style, yeah, again, I think he's got to maybe find the right uh, club for him, that the right thing that will showcase him and allow him to um, play the type of football he wants. And I guess that for me also links in uh, Scotland. So the the matches that I've seen him play for Scotland, quite often it's felt like he's been maybe thrown on um, as a substitute as a kind of 10 role but a 10 role where the expectation is that he's maybe just going to make something out of nothing with like a long shot or or something and you know you you will have seen same as me that he's very capable with shooting from distance but it's not you know a, a reliable repeatable type of thing to just fling somebody on and expect to happen I, I really hope that when um 
you know, the next under-21 cycle, the next match he start later on this year, that he's trusted to be the starter, maybe slightly deeper in midfield, maybe with a bit more ball carrying, a little bit more of everything to do in midfield and, and things are kind of built around him rather than just, you know, kind of this sort of um, push on into an advanced position and expect him to kind of make something happen, uh, if that's a kind of fair way of um, speaking about it. Not not I think he's incapable of making things happen, absolutely is, but just I, I think we've got to give him an opportunity to to deliver, you know, properly, um, you know, and, and, and um, kind of play a fuller role. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be our first pick for central midfield in this team. The, the second pick for central midfield, I don't think it would be any shock to um, anybody. I was quibbling over leaving him out, but still a teenager, still only 19. So Billy Gilmore comes into um, this team, despite only having played half an hour of league minutes this season. He's just such an exciting player that we couldn't leave him out. Um, and in fact, you know, he's the, the kind of playmaker that we're going to build this whole thing around. And I think this would be a spe- spectacular team for him to lead. Um, any thoughts on Gilmore, Gavin? Anything about maybe play style or your, your thoughts on his kind of best attributes to kick off with? I, I think, you know, he's tenacious. He's good in the ball. He's, uh, you know, covers distance. I think uh, he's got a little bit of everything and, and something that we can be really excited about. Um, you know, obviously with, Ryan Jack missing out. Uh, I wonder if there's potential that he'll skip a couple of levels uh, at the Euros and maybe be in that squad. I know there's been conversations about it. Whether that's right or not uh, is obviously up for debate. But um, you know, if you're looking for a central midfielder that's comfortable in possession and can help you um, move the ball about, then he ticks those boxes. Um, yeah, I think you know there's nothing I can really add that nobody doesn't already know about him um, or or read about him. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that you know he's a Scotland midfielder for the next ten, fifteen years, hopefully. Okay, yeah, I, I would um, certainly agree with your assessment, Gavin. The main thing that stands out for me with Gilmore is obviously the passing, the technical ability. That's his, you know, super attribute, isn't it? Um, I, I just um, similarly to you, I guess, be interesting to see what happens in the remainder of this season and for next season. You know, he's been dropped for the FA Cup semi despite starting all four of the previous rounds in the FA Cup and I think with the fight for the top four that Chelsea are still in it's very unlikely um, that he'll get any minutes certainly nothing worthwhile in the remainder of the season so I'm kind of imagining that he'll get a loan next season it's difficult to work out what would be a good enough level for him but also a team playing a style that would suit him and, and would have a place available for him but regardless of all that um, such an exciting player that we need to to get him into this team right now while he's still a teenager, still only 19. And yeah, for me, it's the the, the playmaking, right? He'll he'll drop into space, he'll he'll find the right space. He's got great vision, he'll move other people about, he'll manipulate the other side, you know, he'll be able to break the lines with passes for us, he'll be able to spread it out to the wing backs, um, he'll be able to, you know, drift forward hopefully and get into pockets. Um, yeah, just super exciting, um, very technically good uh, playmaking type of player. Love him. Um, let's move further up the field and, and speed things up a wee bit here. So I'm um, going to say on the, the right side of attack, we have Kieran Bowie. So a long-time favourite of me and Gavin here at Pure Football, um, ever since, you know, kind of watching him play for Wraith Rovers. He's, of course, now at Fulham um, and playing in that same under-18s team as Ibane Bowie, so potentially going to be an, a, another champion. Uh, he's 
a huge part of Fulham's success this season, um, getting him up to second league. He's got 13 goals for them in their last 10 games, scoring in nine of those 10 games. Um, and he was also in the most recent Scotland Under-19 squad, the one last October, which, as far as I know, was his first call-up. So it's really good that he's you know, finally getting some kind of recognition um, in the Scotland youth teams. Um, like I said, huge fans here. Um, any kind of detail as to why you're a fan, Gavin, uh, of Bowie's? Yeah. I love I love his uh his I guess his versatility. So you know you could play him as a, a centre forward, you can play him cutting in off off the the right, you can uh, ask him to go down the left. I think he's he's got a good a really good sized frame. Uh, I think he's difficult to push off the ball when he gets going. Um I th- he works incredibly hard off the ball, he's got a good shot on him. Uh you know, uh, and I think he's 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 a not I don't want to say the term unicorn, but he's some, there's something about him that makes it very difficult to deal with when when he's like uh, you know flowing. And I, I'm really really excited about his his prospects. And I just think his attitude, his application. You know, um, I, I think there's there's so much I like about this kid. And you know, the fact that he's gone from playing League One football in Scotland. You know, I think he scored four or five goals for Wraith Rovers. Then gone to film at an elite. Maybe not elite academy, but a, you know a well-established academy, and where you could probably easily get lost. Uh, he's gone down and hit the ground running, and you know potentially looking at you know what what's on the cards for next year. Does he does he try and get a loan? Does he um, you know stay at Fulham, similar to Barrett mentioned? But either mm-hmm. way, I, I'm just excited about, about what's going to happen for Kieran Bowen. I really really do like him. Yeah, me too. I'm very excited for him. I think he deserves a lot credit this must have been a very very difficult um season to be involved and for for any youth player for any footballer full stop but for any youth player um what you know he was he only turned 18 last september um in 2020 right so he's been away at fulham you know probably not able to see family and friends for large periods of time um you know with uh, new circumstances new surroundings and you know having to get involved in new team and and you know maybe the the transition from maybe the different kind of routine right from having played you know men's football to Wraith Rovers to now being back in a kind of academy youth level and you know having to adapt to that and, and you know remain kind of positive and, and so on and think about you know what to get out of it and on the pitch as well it seems to have gone very, very well from the number of goals that he scored is remarkable. And I don't think either you or I are surprised that he's you know managed to um start hitting those kind of scoring streaks at that level. He's he's too good, you know, to be playing um kids football. And it will be very interesting to see what happens for him next season. I would be strongly um hopeful that he gets a loan out to play senior men's football somewhere, you know, ideally a, a Really love to see him in Scottish football, you know, for selfish reasons, just to be able to, you know, watch the games. But wherever he goes, I think he'll do really, really well. Like you said, he's um, an interesting type of player. You know, we've put him on the right in this um, kind of system because he can play um, off the right and drive in. but obviously he has goals in him as well. You know, he can shoot from distance, he can get in the box and score centre-forward type of goals. He's got broad frame, um, big windspan, very difficult for defenders to deal with either in one-on-ones or once he gets started dribbling. Um, yeah, really, really good. Good technique as well. You know, he can drop into midfield, he can link up, he can pass. 
Um, really well-rounded, modern type of attacker that I'm really, really super excited about and really pleased for him that he's involved in the Scotland setup now. And, and again, he's another one that I think, um, yeah, he's only 18 just now. Um, you know, he's, he's not 19 until um, September, but, you know, I'd be intrigued in seeing him skip up to under-21 level and, and you know, start... Um, uh, in the team at that that stage, but certainly he's somebody that's in our team, right? And let's move on to the other flank. Um, somebody that's maybe a more traditional um, kind of, uh, you know, not a centre forward playing at right wing. We've got Kai Kennedy, right? So Kai Kennedy playing at our sort of left sided attack and midfield role, you know, can float out to the wing, can drop into the half spaces, can come in centrally and feed um, Bowie in our centre forward as well. Um, and I think he's a, a natural pick, right? He's been playing for Scotland from 16 to 19's level and has also now been in the under-21 squad. I was delighted that he got the chance this season to go out and play um, in senior football. He's done really well in the Championship, both at Inverness and at Wraith Rovers, hopefully proving that he's ready for senior men's football. We, we've kind of seen it all from him, you know, the playmaking, the dribbling, the set-piece delivery, the vision, the occasional wonder goal, the, the through balls, um, all, all that kind of stuff in a laterally a super exciting Wraith Rovers team that's come up um, from League One and is you know vying for promotion to the Premiership now um, and, and he's been a good part of that. Anything you want to add on about Kennedy, Gavin? Yeah, I think uh, he's done really well adjusting to the Scottish Championship, a physical league uh, and probably a good place to to I don't want to like cliche it, but just sort of toughen up and and you know get used to people. Uh, you know, men's football. Um, really exciting talent. Really mm. think he could go far. Um, you know, like you said, he does a little bit of everything in the and the, the sort of final third. Um, you know, accurate passer can carry the ball. Can you know threatens opposition with his dribbling and and. He, whilst he, I don't think he's got elite speed, he's just got that quick burst and technique to be able to get away from from pressure. Um, and yeah, I think he's someone that uh, you know. I, I kind of I feel like a flip flop on Kai Kendall a little bit on on how far I think he could actually go. And I feel like I'm back on the train of um, he's going to help us win the World Cup that Ben Barrett wants to win. Um, what she put in his, his full on bar, uh, bio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, I really like Kai Good stuff. Excellent. Kennedy and Bowett to um, bring major trophy success to Scotland. Let's move on to the centre forward who might um, score the goals at that World Cup. That's Kyle Joseph. Um, so Kyle Joseph's at Wigan Athletic. He got a lot of press attention late last year after he went on a scoring run in senior men's football. Um, so he got a hat-trick in EFL League One against Burton Albion. And he was linked at that time with moves um, this summer as a free agent to both Celtic and Rangers. Um, unfortunately, he's lost a little bit of momentum because he got injured earlier this year and he's been out for about three months. But just over the kind of last week or, or so, he's got back on the pitch for very short sub appearances. So he's, he's clearly working his way back to fitness and that's really pleasing to see that you know he's, he's back on the pitch before the end of the season. But up until that point, it was extremely exciting to see a player of that age, um, Scottish, that was scoring at that level. He's played for Scotland under-19s. Um, for me, he's um, a very exciting centre-forward, quite a modern one again with kind of uh, broad and tall frame, but mobile. Um, 
but also he's very lively in the box. So if you watch him, a key thing I would say as a takeaway is his movement. Um, he's he's always looking to kind of outfox the centre backs. He's always looking to try and get on the end of cutbacks and be the guy you know first to the front post to get on it, or or you know um, be the, the the person that anticipates um, where things are going to go um, and, and kind of yeah, just lively, um, just really kind of on it in the box. Any thoughts that you have on him um, at all, Kyle Joseph, Gavin? Yeah, just to echo what you said. I think he, he contributes in sort of all three phases, you know, defensively, build-up and the attacking side of it. Um, and I think, you know, he, he looks like a really exciting prospect. You're, you're right in terms of his mobility, his ability to carry the ball forward, you know, take, take the shots from good locations. There's just lots I like about him. Hopefully he can come from his injury and, and you know, get back mm. to the, the, the way that he was pre-injury. Uh, yeah, yeah, very, very exciting player. Um, I would, I think first touch would be the thing that I think needs the most work for him. Having watched quite a bit of him, um, but yeah, in, in terms of the kind of blend of different attributes, but also just that clear, um, goal scorer's instinct and that kind of ability to be in the right place at the right time in the box and make sure that the defenders are not through your movement. Um, really, really exciting. So that's our team, right? Um, 11 players. Uh, we want to hear yours. So any suggestions, hit us up. Who did we miss out? Who from the club that you support? Can you not believe that you're aggrieved that we've um, left to the side? We'll maybe make a second team out of the suggestions that people come up with to kind of play against that one. Um, we're going to go on now to Falkirk versus Cove Rangers. So this is League One. And um, yeah, faltering Falkirk FC were held. Two each at home by Cove Rangers, um, which left those two on 32 points each and parted Thistle, four points ahead of them in the race for promotion. Um, Gavin, Falkirk in this match, um, they had a really early one-on-one chance after just a minute or so for Cal Morrison, who was playing at times in quite an advanced role um, up with Connor Salmon. But Morrison lofted it well over the bar when attempted to lob, lob the goalkeeper. Um, he then had a similar chance, uh, which the goalkeeper, Stuart McKenzie, um, for Cove Rangers cut out a little later. But there was a kind of clear indication to me of how Falkirk were going to try and make some chances. Balls sort of beyond Salmon for Morrison to run onto. And this method by Falkirk of fairly direct central balls from midfield behind the Cove defence led to a penalty and the opening goal after 20 minutes. Could you just describe what happened there and, and was it a penalty for you? Yeah, first of all, just on the style of play uh, for Gary Holt, it really uh, reminisced with me of Lyndon Dykes and Stevie Lawless at Livingston in terms of that, uh, you know, target man that, that's there to try and win the ball or win the, you know, win the flick-ons or hold the ball up. And then you've got your sort of, uh, you know, advanced forward type uh, support and with making the, the runs in behind. Uh, so I just thought it was quite interesting, the similarities mm. there. Um yeah, so that's sort of chance in itself. Um, it's pretty poor from Cove. Centre backs probably need to be dealing with it. I think. Um, I think you know you need to look at where McKenzie is and and look at the ground. He's got cover to get out to get that ball and just sort of safety first type. Um, alternatively, McKenzie's maybe got to be a bit quicker to to acknowledge the situation, get off his line, and get ahead um, and clear that up. I don't think that this is a penalty. Um, I think the, the keeper's more than entitled to go for the ball, and I'm not sure how he's actually impeded Alston. You know, Alston sort of runs it into him from the side, so I don't, I don't think it was a penalty. Did you? 
I'm not sure. Um, it's really hard to tell from the kind of distance you're watching. I, I, I kind of think I sort of side with you that you know the, the ball's there for the keeper, but it's it's just all pretty clumsy. Um, it never needed to get mm. to that point. So um, yeah, I, I would just say let's penalise the defending for being that bad yep. and, and say that it's a penalty. Um, Eleven of. Let's move on to uh, the equaliser, right? So, 11 of the 15 goals Falkirk had conceded coming into this match were from set pieces. And Leighton McIntosh's equaliser, after about 35 minutes, wasn't from one, but it did still come from a cross into the box. You want to kind of talk us through that goal, Gavin, and, and maybe a focus on what Falkirk could do to prevent that sort of chance? Yeah, this this starts from some pretty pointless long ball from Falkirk where they just surrender possession pretty needlessly uh, in my opinion mm. uh, albeit that sort of direct ball over the top had been working for them but when you actually watch it back and if you scan what's going on Cove are really well covered and uh, I don't see how the long ball was the right approach there even if, if Salmon was to win the flick on I think it's like 5v2 so what are you mm. sort of hoping for with that as a strategy um, but in terms of you know Cove then sort of win the ball and, and recycle the possession, start to move forward. Uh, the ball eventually gets played into McIntosh, who drops in between the lines, and nobody steps up with him from the defensive line, and nobody from the midfield picks him up. So it's a bit of a concern that there's not really that communication there between the two lines. McIntosh then sort of plays the ball out wide to, to Meganson, who, who drives into a sort of wider area. Uh, and cuts it back to Adam Livingston, who sort of whips a ball into the six-yard box. Felt like the ball was in the air for a bit of time for me here. Um, and mm. not to say it was like a floated ball, it was sort of a whip delivery, but it just it wasn't majorly you know, forceful or, or a lot of pace behind it. And I thought Robbie Much maybe could have came for it. McClellan mm. and Much pretty much failed to deal with it um, between the two of them. It was pretty bad uh, between the two of them. I, I don't see how this should happen. Uh, and McIntosh is there to sort of bundle at home. To stop this, you need to start by not just surrendering possession back to opposition in such a needless way. You need to make sure that you've got better lines of communication between your players, who's picking up who and when. And I guess, you know, having your goalkeeper be a bit more commanding and, and, and true, I guess this is my new uh, <laughs> football-like stereotype, coming and collecting that cross. Um, so... Yeah, that's my sort of unit. What What did you think? Yeah, it's similar to you, Gavin. Um, and that's definitely your new thing, uh, condemning goalkeepers for not coming out and claiming a ball. But I think in this instance, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, the ball is there to be won. You, you know, I think the centre-back maybe could have done a wee bit better too. But if the keeper's coming for it, the keeper needs to take it, right? You know, that, that's, that has to happen. Um, and yeah, I... I I'm just frustrated at the fact that as a result of that, Adam Livingston, the left-back, got an assist because he had yet another very poor uh, game um, for Montrose, who, of course, are... Uh, sorry, for Cove Rangers, rather, who are, of, are, of yep. course, without Harry Milne, um, their previous left-back, and it, it's it's just not the same without him at all. Um, but, yeah, that, that brought um, Cove right back, back into the match. And, indeed, in the second half... Um, Cove Rangers got a penalty of their own, which McIntosh uh, failed to score. But then they went on to hit the post, and finally Mitch Meganson put them ahead in the 76th minute. That was a pretty intense spell, I think, from the kind of start of the second half up until that point for Cove Rangers. Did did you agree that they kind of looked like they merited the lead at this point? And yeah. and how did they make it happen, Gavin? Yeah, yeah, I think Cove 
you know, in terms of the play, we're looking more threatening. Kyle McClellan, McClellan and Lewis Nielsen really sort of struggled, in my opinion, from this game. They struggled to deal with McIntosh and Megason. And here uh, is no different. The ball's played into McIntosh. It kind of looks like he's fouled. And there's a few claims for, for a penalty. And it feels like that claim for a penalty almost gave the Falkirk defence a bit of stage fright. You know, Megason's the quickest to react to what's going on and, and picks the ball up and takes the ball by Lewis Nielsen. And, and uh, it probably couldn't have been a more pathetic attempt to, to try and uh, stop Mitch Megason. Um, his feet are firmly planted on the ground and it's a particular attempt to, to show him inside into the congestion. Um, Megson just goes outside of him and is then in a, a 1v1 versus Robbie Much. And, you know, I, I won't blame the, the keeper in this instance. You know, it's a chance from that that far out. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Megson then shows composure to control it and take it by Much and, and then sort of just lift it into the net to make sure that it, it goes in. So, Really composed finishing from from Mitch Megginson, really disastrous defending from Falkirk. It's uh, it wasn't a great day from McLeod and Nielsen, in my in my opinion. Sure. Um. So that that's uh, a fair assessment of things there, Gavin. I think it was a brilliantly uh, taken goal by Mitch Megginson, um, top scorer at this level. So he's got twelve goals, I think, in sixteen appearances this season, which is. Obviously, a really, really good return um, and a kind of mazy run. And like you said, really composed um, to kind of go around much and, and finish it. But the defending is just absolutely disastrous. Um, however, despite all that, uh, Falkirk still managed to get um, something out of the match. Connor Salmon got a late, late, late equaliser for them. Can, can you describe for me you know, what can kind of happened there, Gavin? Yeah, so it's a long ball and a shock to absolutely nobody. Um which Akil Francis does a great job, wins the flip on. Mm. Uh, it's a really good header from Akil Francis, I must say. Picks it onto a really dangerous area. Um, and there's some really bad defending from here on in. Uh, there's a bit of confusion between, I think it's Daniel Higgins and Adam Livingston, as you mentioned. The ball then sort of breaks off Adam Livingston uh, to Connor Salmon, who sort of bundles through a couple of players and then gets his sort of uh, you know, shot away. And it's, it's a pretty good finish, but it's pretty poor from Graham, Higgins and Livingston. And whilst it is a nice finish, it just felt again like it was really avoidable. And and I'm with you. I'm I'm really don't think, you know, uh Adam Livingston is as particularly impressive as a defender. He does have some positive attributes uh, in terms of his technical ability on the ball, but defensively he really concerns me. And I probably wouldn't want to play him in a back four. I just don't think you can trust him as a left back. So, um, looking at the League One top five standings and fixtures now, um, so, of course, as we mentioned, Partick Thistle are on 36 points and then Falkirk and Cove Rangers are behind them on 32 and um, the games are you know coming thick and fast with, what, just three matches left for each of those games, each of those teams, rather, um, before the season end. Um, what, what, how does it all play out, Gavin? Any predictions, You know, any thoughts as to what's going to happen here? Yeah, I'll I'll stay off the fence in this one. I'll give you some predictions. Uh, mm. It's going to be tight, but Thistle will secure the title. Um, I can't see them having an almighty collapse in the next three games with a four-point lead. So mm. you've got your, your title winner. Uh, then you go into the playoffs and look at what's going to happen there. And I've actually, whilst there was issues with Cove today, based on their schedule, I actually fancy mm. them to 
to go the furthest. So they've got a home game against Partick, which will be difficult. But then they have Airdrie uh, at home. Uh, oh, sorry, Airdrie away. And then they... No, try again. Try again, yeah. They have Partick, Thistle and Airdrie at home and then away game with Montrose. Um, mm. Whereas I feel like Falkirk, if you look at them, they've got two away games um, to Partick and Airdrie. So I think just based on the schedule, Cove are going to be the team going into the playoffs with, I guess, the, the most confidence and probably the most positive results um, okay. with Partick being a winner. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes from there. Cool. Interesting to see if that comes to pass. That, that kind of brings us to the end of everything today. Um, just finally wanted to say that St Mirren um, beat Kilmarnock on penalties um, and we've also had the draw for the semi-finals. So those games will take place the weekend of the 8th and 9th of May and it will be St Mirren against St Johnston and Dundee United against Tavernian. Um So yeah, possibilities of the the people with the best pies, um, which it sounds like are St Johnston, based on the menu at least, um, getting through <laughs> to the final. We'll see if that happens. Anyway, um, so thank you very much to everybody for listening. Um, quite a long episode today. Hope you enjoyed it. And do hit us up on uh, social media with your thoughts about Scotland's uh, teenage prospects. Um, and do, of course, as ever, um, subscribe, like, leave a review, rating, tell a friend, all that good stuff. Gavin, anything you want to say before we go? No, just thank you to everyone that's listening. Take care, and we'll we'll be back soon. Cool, take care. Bye bye. Man, drown when it's an internal bleed. But I don't care for your nickname or your last name. Anyone can get our. I'm still up on the rose to the left. Still chatting to my bros on the tip. Fuck that man, I don't give a f. What you wanna get? Smoke cigarette. English, English girl named Fiona. African girl Adiola. Body, body shaped like cola. Back up, back up, here come closer. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I think I know it. I don't like a girl, talk a little low. Nigga get shot for smoking my roll up. You said you got it, now you gotta show her. Shorty gon' suck me up until it's over. She like a little pretzel, you gon' fold her. She got the 20 inches with the closure, huh? Yeah, 808. Huh? No, I don't play no games. I don't say nothing, I don't play no names. If man's not hot, then man's not saying. If man's get boomed, then I get blamed. I took a perky, I'm out of my brain. I ain't never stepping out of my lane. Man, I did a lot of shit, man. I'm proud of my name. Chest shot specialist, wet man's chest BWS, back shot specialist Broke up the pum pum, leave that wet Bad bees in love with the set, no stress Get bread and we set them chest No meds, we flex on the odds Get vexed, no net, but you know that he scored on them me and E just stepped on scene SOS for anti-green AFG is an anti-team I don't know about them, got a rams on me I see one of them, I see freeze I make the hunting beat Kneezy stuck in the streets Shout out my three times freeze Touch, touch my watch, man, it must be crazy Had a roll lead and I switched to the AP But it's like an earthquake, sound like Haiti She knows we pay, she's calling me baby 23 hours, had them bring that back A Rolex can't phase me Time be money, so bitch can't pay me Swing both ways, so bring your leg Jiggy with it, but they wanna come get jiggy with it I ain't talking about, but you know what I'm Biddy with it, yeah, no me, I'm biddy with it. Can't compare when you talk about stacks. Can't compare when you talk about stacks. Hundred k when I pay my tax. Bend it, shawty wanna make it clap. Bend it, shawty wanna arch your back. Galen get shot for the backseat. Two man pull up and burn up the backseat. Gas up top boy like Ashley Tappy. Swing get ying up badly. Good dick met gas green pappy. She holds my wappy, she makes me happy. You know I'm tappy, I chat not cappy. I rub my mashy, I'm too too catty. Met man shake no Harlem. Gas up three hundred no Spartan. I beg my pardon. Dot dot blasting. Might get bit while you're two step dancing. I do no talking. The gal I'm clotting. It's your boy in the split, I'm rossing. Bro red card them shot no warning. When I see red, I'm charging. Man, I'm still up on the rolls to the left. Still chatting to my bros on the tip. Fuck that man, I don't give a F. Well, you wanna get smoke cigarette? English, English girl named Fiona. African girl, Adiola. Body, body shaped like cola. Back up, back up, here come.